We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends. Welcome into the latest OBR Film Breakdown. This is your host, Jim Nance. Just kidding. I'm in the mood for the Masters. It's not far away. I'm getting pretty pumped about that. Maybe you guys don't like golf. I like golf. I'm really excited for it. But this is actually Jake Burns, and we're here for your Friday, March 3rd, OBR Film Breakdown episode, where, boy, do we have some spicy nuggets. Some people like the spicy nuggets from Wendy's. Um, I'm not sure that I am a spicy food fan to change my nugget. Um concoction andrew spade joins me for franchise mode and i'm dropping a banger on him did you enjoy the spicy nugget wendy's decision or were you out on that i you know actually what would would really would tickle my fancy would be like a 50 50 nugget mixture of like and then oh, like you're plucking it like, and it might be a spicy and yeah, it might not be it's the uh, yeah it's the unknown oh, wow. nugget i'm into that that's yeah. brazen okay mm-hmm. i i'm not a i'm not i'm not all too keen on the spicy craze um but mm-hmm. You know, here or there, we can have a spicy nugget, I guess. But I think we got some spicy nuggets from Jared Mueller out of the combine. I talked to Jared yesterday, so he sandbagged me, or he learned about <laughs> these things just last night in his late-night shenanigans with agents or whoever he's talking to over in Indianapolis. It's possible knowing Jared as I do, he's just talking to himself, thinking out loud. But we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that this came over a couple brews with an agent or two, perhaps even a Cleveland Browns employee. We don't know. But Jared deserves to get our attention with things he's hearing at the Combine. And Andrew, I want to go through them. And then once we go through them, talk about them for a brief moment, we're going to branch off in the second half of this episode and talk about how it all ties together with what's to come. Got that? Let's do it. So my son says to me. You got that? He's five. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Here we go. GM uh, Andrew Barry is the first nugget. He said he's considered aggressive in every conversation, wants to thing, get things to happen, and he's pushing to make them happen. I think that is something we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm not surprised by that, Andrew. I think he should be aggressive, uh, largely because the picture that we've been painting here is they should be like there's this is the first year where there's genuinely like you cannot look around this. I think going into the last few years, 
you could look before the year and say there's nothing stopping us from being where we want to go. But at the end or the culmination of those years, it's very easy to, to say, okay, that was clearly the thing. Stop. There is nothing there now. Like if it, if whatever stops them this year, they have to have seen it, right? Like there's no questions about Baker Mayfield. There's no looming suspension on the show. It's all there. Like there's every piece is there. So it should be an all in idea. So I'm not surprised he's aggressive here. He should be. If we heard that he wasn't aggressive, I think that'd be a problem. At least I think. No, for sure. That would be a red flashing light if he was being, if he was taking a conservative approach to this off season. Uh, no, I think you said it. I mean, it, it, it falls on their shoulders, right? It's on Andrew Barry to find players and it's on Kevin Stefanski to make it work with the star quarterback that they gave up a King's ransom for. So it, there's no questions. There's no, maybe we'll get this. Maybe we'll get this. It's like, just do your jobs. And if you do your jobs well, they should be in a good position by the end of next year. Okay, good. Jesse Bates rumor is real. He says second nugget here, maybe spicy, maybe regular. We don't know. We just reached our hand in and pulled it out. Um, Jesse Bates, the third rumor is real, but Bates is hoping for a contract that blows people away. We'll touch on this a little bit later. I don't think that changes anything here, right? The Browns should be calling Jesse Bates to gauge the market. And that should be maybe Jesse Bates agent says, we're looking for 21 million a year, man. And the Browns say, Hey, if it gets down to 17, 18, we'll take it serious. Call us. If you get 21, 22, Happy for you. Take it. But I think the Browns probably have a number. They would start to entertain Jesse Bates. And if the market doesn't materialize, they would get in on that. But as of now, Jesse Bates should be looking for the moon. So any surprise or comment on that one? No, I think that's right. I mean, I think it's it's this is the time, you know, especially for these free agents that are going to be in high demand. The combine is basically, you know, an auction for him. Right. They're they're taking probably offers and shopping them around and trying to get the best one they can find. So it's not surprising that what people are hearing is that, you know, he wants the moon. He should, right? He, he, this is his big chance in his career to get paid. He should get, take as much as he can. The question is if there is a team out there that's willing to do it, right? And and so he can be asking for, like you said, he can be asking for low to mid-20s, but if he's not getting it and then the Browns get into the conversation, that's when things would get interesting because at the right price, I I think they would do it. I do too. It's got to be right though. They can't overpay. And that's going to be a tricky like way to navigate whether you're overpaying for him or not. Next nugget, Barry will make cap space when he needs to and is willing to kick the can down the road as long as necessary. We've covered this ad nauseum. Jack Duffins wrote on it about as many times as a guy can write on it. Nothing new there. I'm not even going to toss that one to you. I'm just going to handle it. It's nothing to talk about. We know this. Uh, veterans nugget. either free agent. Yeah, that's that's a very like maybe undercooked nugget. Uh, veterans, either free agents or potential trade targets, are excited about playing with Deshaun Watson, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, and are impressed by the addition of Jim Schwartz and Bubba Ventrone. You like to hear that, right? So I don't news. think you would hear anything other than that. Yeah, I mean, Jim Schwartz, Bubba Ventrone, pretty well respected across the league. Agents have probably had plenty of players playing for those guys. All good news. And it's, you know, guys should want to play with Deshaun. It's a large part of why you did what you did, risk what you risk you know, to, to go get this quarterback the guys want to play with. There should be some benefit to that. If there's not a benefit to that, it's another head-scratching, well, why'd you do it, right? That's uh, pretty pretty uh, cut and dry there. Kevin Stefanski thought of highly around the league, agents and players. Sup, Andrew? What do you think of that? 
I'm I mean I'm glad to hear it. I I'm not anti, you know, I'm not anti Stefanski or anything like that. It's just it's I think that there are some legit questions. I think one like one thing that's becoming clear this offseason is that the Browns internally think that they're close. And so if other teams and 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 the perception around the league is that is the same, that's good because it means that the Browns are seeing themselves accurately. So uh, if everybody is in agreement that the Browns, you know, with a few bounces of the ball, were a ten and seven or eleven and six team last year, then that that means that you know, like, it's it's a good sign that everybody's on the same page that they're going to have a bounce back year in in twenty three because everybody sees it the same way. Now everybody can be wrong, but you'd rather it be that way than than it be the other way where it's like they think they're good and they're not good. Yeah, known uh, Kevin Stefanski hate club leader andrew um this one really grinds my gears uh tight end despite the expectation of more 11 formation 11 personnel is what we want there jared is expected to be addressed so yeah the follow-up point here hayden hurst foster moreau are two names that have been mentioned as cleveland targets if they want to spend on a on a mid-tier or lower tier free agent or draft a guy four through seven go for it man that's fine. I have no issue helping out this, the cause here. They didn't even have a third tight end last year. And like, not to say that I want them running a ton of 13. Like, I do think most teams carry three tight ends. So it was a little bizarre that they went through some stretches of not even having three playable tight ends on the roster. And uh, yeah, I have no issue with that. I'm, I'm not. What I'm not into is spending a ton of money on a free agent at that position. And I'm not into spending 42 or 98. Unless you just like we've got to see what the testing looks like on some of these guys, but unless there's like Michael Mayer, or someone like slips to 98, which is not going to happen. Like even Dalton Kincaid's a little older, but if he were there at 98, you would take him because he's really, really good. But like, I just don't think they should be investing at that position. And I mean, just the other day, Albert Breer noted that their offense is going to be completely dead. So you're getting a little bit of confliction here, but I just continue to think and stand by this idea that if they run out the same Kubiak stuff, Next year, man, you want to see some Twitch shows where Jake is not involved in the belief system anymore. I will be as far out from the belief system as you can get. I'll leave it at that. Thoughts on the tight end open door here from Jared? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. Is that, you know, paying Hayden Hurst to be your third tight end, assuming, or he, I guess maybe he'd he would be, be the, the second, second. and then that, yeah, that bumps Harrison Bryant down. But I, Bryant's going to get like 20, or not, no, not 28, $2.8 million this year because of, uh escalators you know in in the cba you know he's played enough snaps that he gets more money basically on his rookie contract so you, you're now you're paying three ish million to your third tight end that i i it just it's one of those things where i would love to see them invest that money in other positions and i mean mm-hmm. i thought pharaoh brown coming in mid-season you know off this the off the waiver wire was a fine third tight end i mean what do you need your third tight end to do? I, I don't think they need somebody as talented as Harrison Bryant at third tight end. I actually was more in favor of them going cheaper at second tight end, but uh, it looks like they're headed in the opposite direction. We'll see. I don't know if I buy it, but I'm telling you right now, if they, they spend more, I mean, you're right. I need them skimping at second tight end to address a defensive tackle. Like it just yeah. would be ludicrous to me to spend more money on tight end when you should be working away from that anyway. So fingers crossed i'll be really i would that would be one of the more troubling off-season scenarios for me i'll put it up there and this next one is also very troubling the browns believe schwartz can fix the defensive line issues as much or more 
as new players. What? Like, I love Jim Schwartz. I think he's a great coach, but you're not fixing Tommy Togiai, my friend. You're not fixing Jordan Elliott. They are who they are. And if you think he's going to come in, and I've said this, what did I say last year? If you fire Joe Woods and you don't change the personnel, you're going to have a bad defense next year. If you if you keep Joe Woods and change the personnel, you're going to have a bad defense. They're walking down one of those roads with this bullet point, and this is the singular one that makes me uneasy. If they do not address the damn defensive tackle position in free agency with multiple guys, I'm again going to have concern because it is the, the there could not be a more obvious writing on the wall here. There, there couldn't be. There's not. Yeah, they had, I mean, until Perry and Winfrey played a little bit better, you know, in the last, what, six, eight games, they had, you know, not just the worst defensive tackle room in the league, but they had a, the all of the defensive tackles were playing individually as the worst defensive tackles in the league on their own, right? And so they, they had bottom 10% at all four defensive tackle spots, and um, it, it was, it was historically bad. And then it got a little bit better, better at the end. And I, there's no way that that is 80 to 90% on scheme. I, I think it's clear that at least, you know, 30, 40% of that is talent. And so they have to make upgrades there. Um, this is the flip side of what I was saying earlier. If they think that they're close, that's a, you know, that's a good thing. That's heartening. But this is where it is concerning because if they really think like, no, we drafted the right guys, Joe, it was Joe Woods's fault. That's like the person, you know, that's the person that keeps dumping, you know, that's the person that's serially dating people and dumping them. And it's like, what's wrong with all these people I keep meeting? It's like the, you, you're the problem, right? I mean, if, if Jim Schwartz comes in and it's like, oh, wow, our run defense is bad again. It must be Jim Schwartz now. No, I think I think it's probably Tommy Togiai. I think it's probably that you haven't drafted a single playable defensive tackle in three years. Very troubling bullet point for me. The next one branches off of that. The team, like most, loves the current D-line class, the NFL draft. The edge class is great. D defensive tackle, not as quality as you would like, not at the top end. Certainly can be some value guys at 42 and 90. I really don't think they're going to take a D tackle at 42. So you're looking at like 98 and 111 to see if you if you really really want a guy to tackle then you're like okay that's like fringe top 100 in the class so if you think that's your answer good luck buddy you got to figure it out in free agency i'll be so upset mm -hmm. if they don't yep various head talks about adding picks in 24 as they should they only have four original picks they'll get two more additional picks um uh from the trade a couple trades uh scenarios like so they're sitting at six. Yeah, if you can get something decent for next year, I'm sure they will entertain that idea. They should. He says here, Barry said talks about adding picks in 24, including a 23 pick for a 24 pick and a player type deal. We'll see. That could be, I mean, it's very open-ended. I, 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 again, have looked at many of these mock drafts I've done every single day, always keeping an eye on next year because they only have six picks. They have eight this year. So punting one into next year because you don't think you have eight spots to fill on your roster depending on what you do in free agency is an idea that they should, they should certainly be entertaining. So nothing, nothing to really uh, add to that one. Andrew, anything? Uh, I mean, I think it's, yeah, that that's one of the questions that I have, right. Is how aggressive they are with trading their picks either for picks next year or for players. Right. I mean, um, 
you know, it, it, they're in a really interesting position because if there is a, a free agent that they would, or I'm not a free agent, a veteran player that they would like to pursue. Uh, but the cost of that is that third round pick at 98. Can you pull the trigger on that knowing how little draft capital you have? And I think that, you know, again, you know, it's going to kind of segue into a larger conversation about how aggressive they should be, both in terms of their cap dollars and their draft assets to make the team better, not for like the next few years, but for this year. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Next bullet point is there's concern among some agents that the Browns Watson contract could make it more difficult for them to get their vets traded to Cleveland. Could see that teams are bitter because of the Browns guaranteed money situation to Watson. I believe the Cooper deal happened before the Watson trade, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pretty positive. So, yep. Uh, we have not seen anything of the sort. We'll keep our eye on that. That's interesting. I'm sure if there's a failed Browns trade, we'll somehow hear about that. Uh, but that's an interesting bullet point. The next one, the general belief is that this year's uh, draft lacks top depth, the top of the draft. Uh, said in different way, pin, pick 10 and pick 60 will have similar values to most teams and analysts. Not the same, but similar. Um, I get it. What we're saying here is not that pick 10 and pick 60 are valued the same, but the teams will really value their their uh, late second, thirds, and fourths because it's got a, it's a, it's a plumpy middle class draft, right? I get what he's trying to say. Um, it's... Uh, Spelled out in a bit of an interesting way, but I, I think I understand what he's getting at here. Teams will value the middle class of this draft, so we'll leave it at that. Trading down will be the goal of a lot of teams. Again, everyone talks about trading down. Everyone loves trading down and getting draft capital, Andrew, but you also have to have a team that wants to trade up, and teams are getting smarter about giving up draft picks, and that's why I think it's... Uh, we had that discussion in the Slack channel today about would the Ravens trade for Justin Fields, right? If the Lamar thing falls apart and they end up doing the non-exclusive tag and getting a couple picks and, and end up, maybe they even up, what I would imagine would happen is they'll work out a mega deal. Like it'll be a mega deal um, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it'll be similar to the Watson return, if not more, should they yeah. take some of those, pass those over to the bears, get Justin Fields. And it's like, yeah, man, I don't know how many teams are just going to be super hungry to move up. I actually think that the volume of teams, like, think about this. In 1999, 2000, what year was the Ricky Williams trade? Like, a team gave up their entire draft for Ricky Williams. So, you know, even like 2014, uh, even 20, was it 16? Um, the Rams moved up from like 14. Sorry, 2017, the Rams moved up from like 14 or 15 to go get Jared Goff. We don't see that kind of movement lately. I think teams are really starting to understand the value of their picks and some of like, hey, maybe these top picked Mitch Trubisky quarterbacks aren't great. And you're like the Panthers sitting at nine, Andrew. Like, hey, man, kind of like, mm-hmm. let's just sit here at nine and see if Anthony Richardson or Will Levis fall into our lap and not give up a ton of stuff here. Now, pick one, you might get hungry. But again, pick one is like the Bryce Young territory. And you know, everyone's freaking out about his height and weight. So it's not like there's an Andrew Luck sitting at the top of this thing where teams are just like, yeah, this is a guy's generational. We got to go get him. Or even, you know, somebody sitting at one, like who's not generational, but Jared Goff's an example of it. Who's sort of a consensus top of the draft guy doesn't seem to be that. So I just think that everyone wants to trade down and it's like, I don't think people are as willing to trade up as they, I actually think we're at an all time low of willingness to trade up. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from with that? I absolutely do. I think you're, you're totally right. And I think it, it, you know, it, this this sort of stuff about who wants to trade down, and I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit with 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 Dane on your podcast. Um, 
like the you know how many players are first round guys and and where the sort of the the tiers are in the draft and all that sort of stuff. I I think it's an interesting way of thinking about it for for people that aren't working for a team. But I I think once you're working for a team, you know the the ratings that you have on the players and the priorities are so specific that I, I just don't think that those ways of looking at things are as helpful uh, for the teams. So it it almost I, I guess like I think that some of this stuff is more about people talking about the draft in a way that makes sense only to other people that talk about the draft. And, um, you know, at this point, like there's a sort of a cod, I mean, more than a cottage industry, there's a full blown draft industry and it sort of requires you to have those sorts of like meta conversations about what type of draft it is. Um, but I, I think, you know, sometimes it's like, maybe we're missing the forest for the trees a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that that's a little too, bit uh, too philosophical for uh, 1030 at night. It could be. I think we're we're saying yeah. the the right thing here. Where yeah. I just I think that we're getting smarter people. You know, the fourth down going for it discussion is evolving right, exactly. in the next five yeah. years. That's going to evolve into people just being so aggressive on fourth down. I think we're in the thick of it with draft stuff. Where I just think teams are figuring out we need just to keep our picks as many picks now quarterback stuff you do throw it i mean we're in the midst of the browns making the all-timer here so probably laughing at me a little bit but like it it's um i guess my point is here and the browns did that because they're going after guys proven he can do it so that's a little i mean it's different but i just think that we're less inclined to see these crazy trade-ups the way we've seen them in years past and it's like everyone i I never hear anyone talking about moving up man look at this guy this team's got to go up and get it it just doesn't happen that often so well next bullet point point, you got something else well yeah i was just to to kind of clean that up you know because i got a little rambly there what what i was just trying to say is that it it might play out on you know the last weekend of april that the draft board falls just right that three or four different teams see an opportunity and trade up into the top 10, right? It's possible. Um, if they perceive the value, you know, in, in a specific way and, and there's, there's teams available to trade it, like it can happen, but there's no, I, I don't, I guess I just don't see it as this thing where there's going to be, we can predict from February, there's going to be a lot of trades or there's not going to be right. It's, 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 I think it just depends on how the board falls and then what sort of crazy stuff happens that night. Yeah, it's like you knew Mike Dicka really wanted Ricky Williams. That was going to happen. Some way, right. shape, or form, right. that was going to happen. Right. It's less guaranteed now, to, to your point. Exactly. Like it. so, it's, yeah, it's more subjective, um, yeah. Certainly. And I do think teams are just getting smarter, piggy, piggybacking. Mm-hmm. Oh, like I that. agree with you, too. Uh, yeah, trade, for sure. Trading down, it was what Jared said here, trading down will be the goal of a lot of teams. I, I mean, it should be. It, 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 that, right. that should be. But the, the question is, where's the balance? right? Is the balance of teams wanting to come up just as eager, right? Because if there's not enough teams, it's a, it's all bidding war, right? It's all bidding war. So exactly. if the bears don't really have enough teams, like, Hey, it's just the Panthers that have called us about moving up. You can't really lie and play it off. Like, cause those things come back around, right? Cause they, you know, Panthers could say, Hey, actually, man, we called uh, the Colts and they didn't talk to you. So like you can't lie. So, but, but it's like, Where's the value meet? That's the question. Where does the value meet the trade down? Uh, and that's always a concern. That's why, like, to me, if I was the Bears and I was really going to get off Justin Fields, like move him off to another team, and the Ravens offered a haul and I could still sit at one and take a quarterback, like, yeah, take it. You know, like, I don't know, yeah. just kind of got yep. argued with about that today. I was like, that's not that crazy. Anyway, last one is this, and we're going to piggyback into our next 
segment, which is veterans Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, longtime Eagles uh, defensive line stalwarts. We'll be interested in joining Schwartz, depending on how things go with Philadelphia, who's obviously in the midst of bringing in their own new defensive coordinator. Cox is more likely to be free than Graham. So, yeah, we're going to take a break. And then when we come back from break, we're going to talk about the level of aggression the Browns should have. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, so you start to see names. Deshaun Watson's going to go out and talk to DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, Brandon Cooks giving Deshaun a hug after the Texans game, talking about save me. What was the old Odell? Come get me, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, all these old Eagles connections like TJ Edwards is out there um, as a free agent linebacker, old connection with Schwartz. The question becomes, you know, you know the Browns, they should be in a good spot. I think a lot of teams, uh, not teams, but players should be interested, right? They're, they're everything. If you're looking at like their franchise quarterback, yes. Do they have? Weapons on offense, yes. Do they have a good O-line? Yes. Do they have defensive uh, studs? Yeah, Denzel and Miles, and it's all there. They're missing some pieces, but they're, you know, the core of it is there. So the question is, 
and you laid it out well when we were leading up to this show, how aggressive should they be? Because it feels like from some of the buzz, and we'll see if that comes to fruition, ultimately, there should there's probably going to be a lot of guys interested. So um, that's the question, right, Andrew? Like, is, should they be, we're going to spend every dime we have to to push this thing in? Or, or like, I think that they, they probably know this answer. They, they, I'd have to think if all you think about is the Browns, your salary cap and players available, these guys sit around all day, every day doing this. They probably have 35 effing plans laid out here, different ways this could yeah. go and how it could go and what the cap looks like. Mm-hmm. So they know things we can't dream about knowing angles, pursuit, so on and so forth. We're really just talking the core philosophy here because I see again, and I laid this out before the year, this offensive line is built for two real years of push. The 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 extension for Conklin, the timing of getting out of the Teller Batonio deals, the rookie contract for Nick Harris, and the fifth year option running into the, the end of two years for Jedrick Wills. Now we'll see if they pick up that fifth year option because that would be the ultimate decider for me. But there's like a very clear, hey, let's chase this thing for two years. With everything intact, offensive line-wise, we'll continue to build out wide receiver, fill in our core of defense this year. Like, I just see this window of two years. Now, I get it. You're not trying to crucify yourself, but that's the question. Should they be pushing this two years in to the detriment, potentially, of a few years from now when maybe Joel Batonio's done? Two years from now, Miles Garrett will be at the high. would be 28 by then, 29. You know, Denzel will yeah. still be young. But Cooper will be gone. And like, you know, some of those guys are going to be, you know, Batonio might be retired in two years, you know, for all Mm -hmm. we, that's a long ways off. So I understand you want to keep that window open as often as you can get as many playoff tickets, lotto tickets as you can. But I also understand looking at this and saying, holy shit, man, this is our first real all in chance. And we should, we should put every chip we have into this. So where do you fall in that? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I think about it is like I, I I'm not advocating for for you know the Browns or any team ever really to be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. You know, we you talked about Ditka trading up for Ricky Williams, right? Like that's that was more about him proving to everybody that he was being serious and like trying to change things in New Orleans than it was about making a good move. You know, so it's not that I want the Browns to start like you know, throwing bags of cash at, at random, you know, third tier NFL players. It's like, if it breaks the right way, you know, and I think the player that, that Jared mentioned in those notes, the player that's been on the, on the lips of a lot of Browns fans is Jesse Bates, right? So if Jesse Bates gets into the market and nobody is willing to give him the record setting safety contract that he wants, and he all of a sudden is looking at something more, you know, everybody's like, well, I mean, I'm looking at the list of, of, of highest paid safeties. Everybody, you know, they tell him, they tell his agent, you're not Derwin James. You're not Minka Fitzpatrick. You're, you're, you're maybe not even Jamal Adams. You're in that next tier. Right. And so like we see you at 15 or $16 million a year, nobody's, you know, giving him 20. If that happens, and I'm not saying that this is likely, I'm not trying to predict the future. I'm just talking philosophically if the Browns have a chance to sign a player like Jesse Bates to like a three or four year 15 million dollar deal 
that might not be what they're budgeted for, but all of a sudden it's like, well, that player is, he, he fills a, an immediate need for our team. He's 26 years old. It weakens a division rival. There's a lot of reasons for us to do it. And we can, by restructuring other contracts, we can afford it. It's, you know, it's, it's possible. So then do we extend ourselves in that way? So it's not being aggressive for the sake of saying, oh, we went out and, you know, we spent $10 million a year on Von Bell because we wanted to sign a safety. It's like, it's specifically about the guys that they can get. I mean, you brought up Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. I mean, Javon Hargrave is out there. I I think the interesting question is if they have the scenario where they kind of pick up some momentum and they're getting a lot of yeses and the, the, the numbers that they are throwing around are, are sounding right. What is the point at which they have to walk away from the table, right? Like at what point are they like, we're out, we can't say yes anymore. We can't sign any more players. That I think is the interesting question. I don't think they're going to, not to poo-poo on what you're saying. Yeah, I said poo-poo. You like that? So not to do that to what you're saying. I don't think, I think you and I can both agree that Andrew Barry won't do that. I don't think he's just going to be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. Like, I think they really thought Austin yeah. Hooper, I, put it this way. I think they they thought the big, they're getting bagged on for two big free agent signings. Like, they didn't know what the hell was going on with David and Joku. They needed something. They needed a security plan. They needed a tight end. Hooper was the the hot commodity coming into this offensive structure. I get it. John Johnson, they needed a safety. You and I have been back and forth. Uh, you kind of have mentioned this about the Marcus Williams thing, but I don't think they thought it would go, even though they they had to have known. I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist here with football. Like They had to have known they were doing some things that were putting him a little bit out of position from what he's accustomed to or had thrived at in other places. I still don't think they thought it was going to go that bad. So, I, I don't think they have been like, hey, let's just sign John Johnson for the sake of it or throw cat. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying you're claiming they're going to do that at all. I'm just saying, like, I don't think Andrew Barry even operates in that way. Now, to your point, if they do get a ton of interest. Yeah. Bates says, you know what, man, Chicago's offering me 18, but I'd come to Cleveland for 15 because I want to win. Right. And I see the formula right. and I want to kick the shit out of the Bengals twice a year like. That's plausible. Now, I think to me that we should answer this question back and forth, you and I, what we would think. I think they should be doing it to the detriment of like, hey, man, if we sign Bates here, we are going to have to make some uncomfortable decisions about let's think of the because the Saints are the good example, right? A couple years Mm -hmm. back and even kind of into today where they, you know, people will say the cap is fake and they don't. Well, the Saints lost some good players. They lost Marcus Williams, right? They lost. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They have lost some talent. There is no doubt about that. Now they kept some core, which is what Cleveland would keep their core too. But you'd have to lose friends. So you would say JOK has a good year, good two years. Can't keep him. He's gone some way, shape, or form. That's the type of player that you couldn't pay. It's not crazy to think JOK has two fantastic seasons and he wants to get paid. Right? It's not. Mm-hmm. Um. So like that's the question you're okay so they would have to say with this there's that. Yeah, we'd right. love to sign Jesse, let's do it. This might mean we have to cut Nick Chubb a year sooner. This might mean we have to move off of White Teller. This might mean and, and and some of these things are pretty obvious but like yeah, hey, if uh Greg Newsom, we put him back outside more this year and, and he just continues to crush it, going to have to pay him. 
Like some of these guys where you're lukewarm on them, if they put together the good years it's going to take to get to the good spots you think they're going to get to, all of these guys are going to want money. Still something we are not totally comfortable with as Cleveland supporters is watching good talent walk out the door, which is what Mm. happens with good organizations Mm -hmm. that draft well enough over time. So I'm into it because I see a two-year window to really push into it. Now the cap, they have a way better idea of what's coming with the moving cap and all of that. Because there's a lot. There's a lot of movement in this thing, moving up, so on and so forth. But they're obviously, to now, been very meticulous about rollover cap and keeping the numbers in place to have enough money to fill what they're doing. So, I don't know, man. My, my general answer to that question is I would say yes. That they should be pushing for two years, and that might mean some tough decisions in two years down the line, what you would hope here is that you do get your first normal draft back in 2025, right? I'm thinking, right? Yeah, God, mm-hmm. it's 23. Next year's 24, 25. That you can start to replace some of these guys. So I would be into it. Like if Bates says he wants to come, say Marcus Davenport says, hey, man, I'd do a two year right. 30 million, a two, you know, right. a two year 28, 14 a year, um, or something of that nature. I do think mm. I would be into the idea of of like, hey, if they went out and signed, those two uh, went out and signed um, uh, Onyemata, the defensive tackle, Sheldon Rankins, another guy that could be around the $8 million range, I'd be in. And I, at the same way, I don't think I would be like soul-crushingly mad the way some people would if they trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I want right. them to push everything they have. I don't want to get to the places we think they can go, right? We think they could compete with Cincinnati and Buffalo. They get to the playoffs next year, and they're hosting Buffalo. And it's like, man, if we just had one more wide receiver, right? Or, man, if they just yep. had one more defensive tackle who could have created some pass rush on Josh Allen, that's where you don't want to be. So if you're really looking at this as a nice two-year window, chase that SOB, man. I'm really – and I'm, mm. I'm talking – to the point that, yeah, it's going to have some hard discussions in two years, but I'm willing to do that if everything is in place to really go after it. That's just me because, again, in two years from now, you got to think, what is the what does the Browns roster look like in 2025, Andrew? It's got Deshaun. Right. Who knows what else at this point? I, I Okay, let me ask you this. This is a question. Sure. 2025, mm-hmm. who can you sit here and say on offense is a lock – to be here in 25 just two years from now right i think it's say deshaun who else i'm asking you no i know i I think it's probably watson and njoku that's probably it that's probably it maybe but donovan people's jones like go through him donovan people's jones might price himself out Mm -hmm. of cleveland for what he's actually worth cooper's definitely gonna be gone older chubb gonna be gone just virtue of mileage and hitting 30 just Jerome Ford probably <laughs> May, Ford yeah he would be like on the fourth a, year of his rookie a, a deal decent back yeah David David Bell pro, unless he right, just gets much worse right right but again yeah. your search like that's not your core so like that's no. the thing that's crazy you're thinking about oh man we can't do this because what does it do to us and hey what the hell does it even look like in two years like on right. offense it could be it, it should right. be so different and defensively, yeah, you know Miles will be here. You know, uh, you know Denzel will be here. You'd like to think some of these other young guys between Grant, Greg, and JOK, they have some contracts in them there. But like, 
it's a mystery bag. And now, and the funny thing is, is like, you don't look at these other sports the same way. Once you get your core in baseball, you're like, yeah, we got these guys locked up. We'll be good for yeah. five years. Pretty much the same yeah. with basketball. You look at the Cavs right now, Mitchell, Allen, Garland, and yep. who am I forgetting? Mobley. Those guys Mobley, are there for five yeah. years. They're, they're there for, unless, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the NBA is kind of fickle and a guy could demand out and they typically appease them. But like that contract structure is there. So that's what makes the NFL unique, where you're really nervous, where your gut would tell you, don't do this, man. Think about 25. Think about 26. Hey, you know, I don't think you know how few players are guaranteed to be here in just that window. So if you get a two-year window like this, man, and you get Jesse Bates, is like, yeah, I want to come to Cleveland. Give me a three-year deal. I'm in. Right. How the hell do you say no? How do you say no? Yep. It's a weird league right. like that, man. So I'll open it back to you, but that's just like – something I've been wanting to say about we, we, we are always like so many of us are so nervous about that. And it's like, what are your known quantities? Like we have in every teams like this, like look at the chiefs. Where do you think the chiefs are in two years? Probably like Kadarius, Tony. I mean, but I mean, Kelsey could be retired. He could be gone for sure. Like what are the guarantees on even that team? So right. Orlando Brown's hitting free agency. So I, I think you smelled him stepping in here, but like, that's my theory on it. So I'll open it back to you and like how you would go about it. But I mean, I can't, I just think we get so nervous about the future that we're not understanding how precious the now is in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true about life, Jake. I mean, that what you just said, it's that applies to life in general, man. Um, we can end the pot on that. We just, we just, you know, <laughs> yeah, the mic drop Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. Could maybe, maybe talk a little bit more about chicken nuggets, but otherwise I think we're good. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I, I think I agree with you. And I, and I think, you know, the saints are always the example that's held up, right. Is like the, you know, there's a group of people that are like the salary cap's not real. How do these guys keep getting away with it? There's that reaction. And then there's the other reaction, which is I think a little more nuanced, which is basically like they are compromising, you know, the sort of middle class of their roster. Yeah. They can keep their stars, but they can't keep like those next level guys really. Um, and I, I understand that and I'm sympathetic to that, but I would just observe, I think, that if they had, if Drew Brees hadn't retired and Sean Payton hadn't left because Drew Brees retired, I kind of feel like they'd probably still have won the NFC South this year. <laughs> like, they're yeah. not a bad no team. And so I think, no. you know, th- thinking about where the Browns are, and I think to your point about what sticks around for years in the NFL – Ideally, Kevin Stefanski proves out this year as a as a an offensive mind that can adapt and get the best out of Deshaun Watson, and that means then also that Deshaun Watson is here, you know, basically as long as he wants to be. Right. So if you've got those two cornerstones, as long as you uh, maintain uh, an even passing level of flexibility with the cap, you should be fine, right? So I, I like. If you have to push stuff into future years, I think that's okay because you've got the quarterback and the coach that make the whole thing go. That's That was the Saints model, essentially. And I mean, they didn't end up with a lot of trophies to show for it, but they were routinely winning their division and in the playoffs. And I think that's really the goal, right, is to just have those mm-hmm. multiple bites at the apple. So, um, And I want to do that. Doesn't even, I'm not saying pursue right. the now. Like, I'm not saying pursue the now, but I'm saying – how can I say I'm jeopardizing the future when if I don't even do that, I don't even know what that's going to look like regardless. So it's not like 
I'm not even jeopardizing something where offensively, I don't even know what it's going to look like in general. There's so many unknowns. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I can't even it does. say, I can't, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how, like, how to say that. You can't say you're damning the, the later for the now when I think the the later right now is already damned. And I can even say some similar things like defense. I think there's a core. The three guys who I said are coming up for contracts, yeah. Denzel and Miles. That's yeah. five guys, though, of six other positions remaining to be filled. Now, that's a core. That's pretty solid. You need to see more from Grant. You need to see more from Greg. Obviously, JOK, too. But like the offense is an even bigger question mark. When you go down the yeah. line. You don't yeah. know. You don't know. So, um, right. well, yeah, and I, I think that's the that's no, the that's all good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think neither of us are super, I think, excited about Donovan Peoples Jones getting a big extension here. Um, and, and with Schwartz and Bell not panning out, now you, you know, I mean, part of it is they do not have a young receiver that I'm super excited about. They already signed their young tight end. Um, you know, and, and the offensive line is, I mean, we're lukewarm on Jed Wills and every other position is, is, you know, more of a veteran player. So part of, part of it on the offense is they don't really have like a lot of young guys on their rookie contracts that I'm like dying to keep around, which is a little bit of an indictment of, I think the way that those drafts have gone on the offensive side of the ball, but it is, it is a strange position to be in because, you know, you name that handful of players on the defensive side that you really hope get those second contracts they kind of don't have that same group of players on the offensive side, and it's it's a little troubling. Yeah, I mean, it definitely speaks to how big a year it is. They have to, I mean, but yeah. even if they prove that, I mean, I feel like I've, those three guys I mentioned on defense are obviously teetering on the line of could we give them a nice new deal or not, right? There's no, at this point, Greg, JOK, and Grant don't garner these gigantic deals, but there's certainly guys I would like to keep on a second contract as we sit here. We'll see what they do. But offensively, you can go down the line and like, okay, DPJ, the market could get weird. I don't know. Right. I don't want to be in double-digit range for him. Coop's just going to no, age out. They, uh, Nick's going to age out. Down the line, Jed, uncertain. Joel, likely yep. retired. Center, unproven. Right guard. We'll see where it goes. I guess Wyatt is the potential third guy in that equation, but that would probably start okay. to teeter towards an extension for him if it were to come to fruition. Um, yeah. Jack Conklin will be moved on from at that point. Yeah. So it's Wyatt's like David. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you're kind of – it's a big year for him because he's had some weird stuff happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't – Yeah. I don't have a great well, so, vibe on it. I I feel really good about two guys, but that's like yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a that's the weird spot that they're in. Yeah, and so then I would also just say like I think that this conversation about aggressiveness also applies to the draft uh, capital that they have this year, right? Because we know they don't have their first round pick. Um, they do have you know forty two and then ninety eight. Um, you know. Uh, it, and so you're, you know, when you were sitting listening, you know, kind of some of the guys on defense that could come in, you know, at defensive tackle, it's like, well, what if the Colts are ready to move on from DeForest Buckner and, uh, you know, they want 42 in exchange for DeForest Buckner? Like, is, is, is there a player that you can even imagine on the, on the board at 42 that makes anywhere near the impact on the Browns this year that DeForest Buckner does? I mean, that's absolutely you know, no. so no. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, but then, you know, I mean, to argue against myself, 
you're you're taking away the opportunity to draft a player at 42 that you know could fill one of the sort of positions that we were just talking about of a, of a player on offense that you want to give a second contract to you know like a a, a, a wide receiver that that could really come in and contribute this year and also be around with Deshaun Watson for the next decade so um, I think it's interesting also the the draft side of it is because you know it's I think it's easy to say trade picks for players because that you know you've got a proven commodity of DeForest Buckner I I think I mean you know you you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins earlier I'm I tend to be in favor of it just because of where the Browns are in their their cycle like they need proven commodities but you also of course do have to be cognizant of continuing to not add uh homegrown talent that you want to keep or hold on to I, I think that finding that balance is going to be another interesting piece of this right is I mean there that's it's always possible. The Amari Cooper deal, you know, last year was, uh, I mean, everybody agrees was a, was a coup for this team because they, they had the salary cap flexibility to make it work. And, and they got in on a market that exploded after, you know, after they walked through that door. Um, Imagine the defensive they tackle. Would, off. Yikes. Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, the offense would be a, a nightmare, but I, you know, defensive tackle might be a similar situation with Deron Payne getting the franchise tag. Uh, there's a bunch of names in free agency what if they look at Buckner's existing contract, which I am in the process of, of pulling up here, and say, actually, you know, comparatively, that's not that bad. Let's go with that guy. He's he's on uh, – that's pretty healthy. He's on 21 a year. He's got 56 guaranteed, two more years. That's a pretty big deal. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's – yeah. Yeah, that's but can you money. maneuver course, it, right? If you, if you, if you right, convert that, some yeah, of it, I, if you I, trade yeah. for him, right, are there right, things you can right. do? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not enough of a cap guy. Jack will tell us for sure, but I think the question is, you know, if they have, um, you know, an inkling that a player like that is is available, how do you balance, you know, what would probably end up being two years of DeForest Buckner against four years plus whatever, you know, if the player proves out, you could get from a player that you're drafted forty two. I think that it's another way in which they have to weigh how aggressive they want to be because I I think. I really do think that there's a version of this offseason where, I mean, to, to you know, what we st- we started talking about what Jared said, that Andrew Barry is pushing every button he can and it's trades and it's free agent signings and they have, they've pushed all of their chips in the middle of the table to try and win 13, 14 games this year. And I think it's also possible that there's a version where they are trying to be that aggressive, but the things don't land, right? And uh, Jesse Bates does get that bag and uh some of the other defensive tackles get priced out and they're caught kind of in their second choices and and not really in the plan that they wanted you know i thought it was interesting uh andrew barry was on cleveland browns daily and he said 2020 was the only year so far that he's had the job that the plan went how he or that the free agency went according to the plan that he had laid out the other years it was it was a lot of adjusting on the fly and so that that idea that I think they might have an intention to be aggressive, but they might not be able to give the money to the guys they want to give the money to or trade for who they want to trade for. You you also see that. So it's, you know, I, I think there's I can see this going a few different ways and I could see potentially Browns fans being a little disappointed saying, well, I thought we were, you know, we were all talking about at the combine how aggressive they were going to be and it didn't materialize. But I, I think there could be good reasons for yeah. that. Yeah, you hope that you find out that the Browns were in. Usually those things will leak a little bit. So yeah, you for figure sure. out, hey, the Browns were in or whatever. But like uh, to your point, yeah. I mean, the thing that is 
hard here is that there you, you're talking about that balance of uh, two years of a Buckner, four years of a say Keanu Benton, um, right? And with that, you know, looking at how are you replacing them? Well, the Browns are already down picks that matter, so they're doing this. If they go this route, they're doing it from a disadvantage start. Now you have Watson. We still, I guess the thing is, we still don't feel like we have Deshaun Watson because of what we saw in those six games. So it's hard to sit here with this arrogance about it and be like, yeah, Deshaun Watson, sub. You know, like we, you get what I'm saying there? Like we don't totally. have that quarterback swagger yet to where you talk to people from Buffalo or Cincinnati, they talk about how their guys can overcome it, whatever, whatever. So, yeah, like I think that that's the thing and, and why the, 2018 with Baker, why missing on Baker Mayfield sets you back, even if you made this trade and whatever, whatever, because you had to give up so many picks to make that trade and you only got one pick right. back that ends up being a fifth round pick for Mayfield. It just, it's hard. It's really hard. So it makes what is already hard, you know, balancing this, the decision between balancing the now and later is always a challenge, but it makes it harder when you don't have the, you know, you want to pursue the now, now, now stuff. And you don't have right. what, say, Miami had to go get Tyreek Hill. We can't give up the right. one and the two to go get that guy because what we have is a two. And if we give up a two, mm -hmm. we're only getting one player inside the top 100 of a draft. And that's hard, right? You know, teams have right. figured out ways to still find players like the Rams have done, uh, to their credit, a nice job of getting late round guys. But that's hard, man. You can't bank on that. So, like, it's just um, these sorts of philosophical questions I imagine happen. Every day in Berea, just every day, brainstorming sessions, what we're doing right here. But I continue to lean toward really finding ways to be aggressive this year. And again, whether we hear about them to your point made a minute ago, I don't know. I think they're right. going to be. There's no reason not to be. And when you look at like, what does it look like in two years? There's a lot less defined there than you think. So I think that means you should be... Uh, I think it means you should be aggressive. I really do. And and if your team starts to win and you start to look right, then you have long-term Grant, long-term JOK, long-term Greg, and you have these pillars and you start adding around them. So, because again, that experience in the playoffs and all that stuff is, it's a, it's invaluable, man. So um, I yeah. hope, I hope it you want to be a good team. The, I really the, do. Yeah. The, the point of this That's is to be hope. a good team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, and I, I, you know, I, I hope, think I hope they to, to your to your point about the draft pick stuff, it's like to to a certain extent, like well, maybe I mean maybe they should just trade trade them and not worry about building through the draft right now because they kind of can't anyway. You know, like maybe maybe they should trade forty two for a player and ninety eight for a player and just you know pick pick a few lottery tickets at the end just for fun. But I I think I think what what has struck me having this conversation and kind of stepping back and thinking about it. I, I can see much more clearly the case for being ultra aggressive because the, you know, the NFL is such a win now league. Uh, I mean, and we didn't even touch on like the job security issues that either, you know, Kevin oh, or Andrew might be huge. facing this year, but, huge. but, yeah. but I think, you know, like they have in front of them the opportunity they have, they don't have a ton of resources this off season. They have enough resources to make this a very, very good team going into 2023. And if you're good in 2023, then you figure out 2024 and 25 and 26 after that. But focus, the yep. focus for this team really does need to be building the best possible team for this year 
with less concern for the future probably than they've had since the return. I would agree with that. I think you should be looking at the NFL in two-year windows anyway, personally. I just, yeah. for the length yeah. that these guys matter, um, the two-year window stuff, and some people might argue three, but I, I just think two years, man, it's hard to really look at a team and be like, yeah, you know, and in two years, I'm like, do that exercise like we just did earlier. It's not <laughs> as fun as you think it is right now. So um, <laughs> that's it, man. Let's put a bow on this thing. I think we hammered out a lot of good stuff. Shout out to Jared, man. Good stuff over at the Combine. You deserve some credit for that article. We will link that article in the description of this podcast. So, um, you know, if Jared's wrong, you can point a finger and laugh at him later on down the line. But for now, <laughs> good, uh, good talking points. Andrew, I appreciate your insights and banter as always. Appreciate you, man. Good time, Jake. I'm going to go get some chicken nuggets. I love that. Spicy. Mix them in with the regular. Yeah. Is the way to go. Big bucket of chicken nuggets. Here we go. Big bucket of chicken nuggets or boneless chicken wings, as they call them. (laughs) All right. Anyway, that's a lot of chicken. That's a lot of browns. We're going to wrap this thing up. Thanks to you for being here on a Friday. Um, Continue to check out the OBR. So much stuff being written. Daily mocks, both free agency and the draft. Looking at cap dollar spent per position. Looking at free agent probability guides. It's all there. We're in the thick of this thing, man. Combine, RAS scores are out. Feels like home to me. Feels like, never mind, I'm not going to sing, but it feels like home. So we're getting there. It's an exciting month in March for the NFL offseason. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for supporting the OBR. It matters a lot to us. We'll catch you tomorrow. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.